Hello, and welcome to the Artificial Intelligence and Drug Discovery Podcast. My name is Simon Smith, and I'm your host. On this episode, I speak with Leila Pirhaji, founder and CEO of ReviveMed. ReviveMed is using artificial intelligence to unlock the therapeutic potential of metabolomics. Now, I'll admit, before learning about ReviveMed, I knew little about metabolomics relative to other omics like genomics and proteomics. Thankfully, Layla is an articulate and enthusiastic teacher, and her passion is infectious. In this episode, you'll learn about metabolomics, its potential for disease diagnosis and treatment, and how ReviveMed is using artificial intelligence to realize the opportunities. This episode is brought to you by BenchSci. BenchSci uses artificial intelligence to reduce the cost of scientific experiments. Use it to find research antibodies, up to 24 times faster than using PubMed or Google Scholar. Just enter a protein of interest and filter by technique, organism, tissue, or 13 other options. BenchSci returns only relevant published figures and products. It's free for researchers in academic and nonprofit institutions. You can sign up at BenchSci.com. If you work in industry, just use the contact form on BenchSci.com to reach out for a demo. And now, on to the interview. Hi, Layla. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Simon. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be part of this podcast. Great. And I'm, I'm so happy to have you here. And I want to start uh, with one of the reasons I'm happy to have you here is that I am not that familiar with metabolomics. And I'm familiar with a lot of the omics, but this one is new to me. And I think it might be new to some of our listeners. So maybe we can start there and you can help people understand uh, what this is. Yeah, definitely. I'm really, uh, definitely, I would be happy to tell you guys more about metabolomics and introduce people to the field because Usually when I start talking about use AI and metabolomics, we get this question, what that means. Uh, so I usually like to start explaining metabolomics in the context of a disease and in a, one example. Uh, so one of the diseases that we are very particularly very interested in called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And this disease is usually caused by accumulation of fats in the liver, mostly due to obesity and diabetes. Uh, the disease has no treatment, and when it progresses, it leads to devastating complications like liver cancer and liver failure. Uh, so it's a very devastating condition with no treatment. Uh, and this is just one example of a metabolic disease. And these diseases are caused by dysregulated level of metabolites in human body. And these metabolites are anything that are really small in the size. So any of these molecules that are very tiny in the size, like glucose, cholesterol, and this example I mentioned, all those fats that were accumulating in the liver of fatty liver patients. So they're all called metabolites. Um, and basically, uh, and they're very, and when their levels are dysregulated, it leads to many conditions or devastating conditions. Uh, one of the well, most well-known ones is diabetes, and all diabetes is because of glucose, right? The level of glucose is higher than blood of patients and the, uh, the controls. Mm, there have been known to be actually over 40,000 of these small molecules or metabolites in human body. Um, 
and so I think um, so that's and that's one of the things that if you could measure these metabolites very accurately and correctly, you could really bring treatment for loss of those metabolic conditions. And so when you talk about uh, metabolomics, there's that that implies to me a study of some of the interactions um, of those uh, metabolites. So how exactly. how, does, how does that work, and what are you focusing on in terms of those interactions? No, that's a very good question. Yeah, exactly. So as I mentioned, metabolites are those all those those small molecules in human body, and usually, like for example, like genomics, when we add this omic portion to the word, it make it like more high throughput. So metabolomics is coming exactly studying a large set of those metabolites and their interactions with other molecules. Um, so one of the things that make metabolites really exciting is that they are the closest link to a disease phenotype. So for, uh, if you consider like we have DNA and RNA, right? Um, mm -hmm. Genomics and most of the people are familiar with genomics. Now, DNA and RNA is like a map of what could happen in a disease. Like they show you the roadmap. But then DNA has to transcribe to RNA and then RNA has to translate to proteins. And these proteins usually interact with those metabolites. Uh, and those interactions, that's what lead to actually a disease phenotype or even uh, in the clinical symptoms that we observe in a disease. So understanding metabolomics is really important because they are the closest link to a phenotype. And in addition, metabolites could really reflect the um, environmental effects as well. So all these things actually we hear in health and diet, like glucose, you know, vitamins, eating carbs, you know, low-fat diet, high-fat, you know, those things are all metabolites that are impacting our, uh, our physiology. And understanding all those factors are also very important for developing therapeutic interventions. Um, so not only metabolites are the closest link to a disease phenotype, but they also show those environmental effects as well as microbiome effects. So that's the other part that people are very excited about and in the past few years and become, um, become more and more popular is also the impact of microbiome in our health and therapeutic development. Uh, and actually those bacteria and microbes in the gut, they usually uh, send information to the host or uh, through the metabolites. And they're, those metabolites, when they interact with proteins and other part of, uh, molecules in human body. That's so clearly a very critical role in mm -hmm. health. Uh, and again, I feel like maybe it's my ignorance, but I have not heard or or, or seen a lot of information about metabolomics or a lot of focus on it relative to genomics and advances yeah. and things like CRISPR. So why is there, or first of all, am I correct in- That in, is very in, true, yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things we're trying to say, like you could see there metabolomics has real loss of potential, but it's been really underutilized compared to genomics because we all hear about DNA and RNA and genomics, but not metabolomics. And that's very correct. And one of the reasons that metabolomics has been underutilized is because it's just very hard to characterize them in human body. As I mentioned, there are over 40,000 of them in human body, but current platform can only detect less than 5% of them. So when it's very difficult to characterize them, metabolomics has not been used as much as genomic technologies. Uh, I usually I used to give this example like metabolomics that what it used to be genomics 20 years ago, maybe now more than 20 years ago, right? Uh, genomics become very popular when we were able to for the first time sequence the whole human genome. 
but metabolite, that's the challenge that still exists in the field that how we could characterize all those molecules in human body. And uh, one of the reasons that it's very difficult to characterize metabolites, it's because they have tremendous diversities in their structures. So each one of these metabolites is different from the other one. Uh, some of them are hydrophobes, some of them are hydrophil. Their molecular structures are, could be very different and their size could be very different too. So it requires lots of customized processes to clearly characterize each one of those molecules in human body. So it makes it impossible because you cannot design like 40,000 experiments for just to characterize in, for one patient. Uh, if I want to give a comparison to genomic technologies, you know, DNA and RNA has this four building block of A, T, C, and G, right? Mm -hmm. So they make it easy to design one experiment and sequence the whole human genome. But unfortunately, this is not the case on metabolomics. Uh, and though, yeah, sorry. So, sorry, I just, uh, and I don't yeah. want to stop you because it's very interesting, but I just want to uh, identify, so what is the limiting factor then? Is it is it gathering the data? Because with genomics, there were obviously the technology, the initial technology to be able True. to sequence, but then also the ability to analyze all of that data. Exactly, yeah. But where's very, the bottleneck very... with, with yeah. metabolomics? I think it's kind of a both way. Very good question. Exactly. One way is just to understand and collect the data. And the second way is like not to make sense of the data. Mm. There are very good problems. Like even like when in 2003, when we thought like, oh, if we sequence the whole human genome, we're going to have answer to all diseases but the reality we are really far, right? And, and metabolomics is kind of a both way. First, it's very hard to characterize them. And right now the current platform like characterize 500, 700 metabolites at one, for one sample or one patient. And when the data number is very low, or uh, first of all, we don't know what's happening in the biology because we are only sampling a small number of metabolites. And then it's also limit our ability to apply like a sophisticated tools like artificial intelligence algorithm to understand them. So it's a both way scenario. And uh, that's one of the things that revived that we are actually overcoming both of these problems. First, how we could basically characterize a large set of metabolites. And then when we characterize them, now understand what's happening in the disease and biological processes to develop drugs. So you have their there are two parts to the company that it sounds like, and I want to get into that in a second. But before, yeah. before we go down the path of talking about RevivMed and your solution, mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about why metabolomics is important for drug discovery? What new opportunities you think it's going to open up uh, as we get better at gathering the data and analyzing it and how that might yeah. affect uh, our ability to develop novel drugs or the speed with which we can develop them? Uh, so there's a couple of Im uh, important things that metabolomics could have an impact. One of them is because they're very close linked to a phenotype. Uh, they give us really actionable information about dysregulated mechanism in a disease. So they could really open up new avenues of therapeutic development. They give, could give us new insight about diseases that we didn't know previously. That's a, one, one of the biggest impacts because uh, from genomic alone, it's, it's not enough because there is lots of regulated processes could happen that if you're looking only to genomic data, we are missing out with information. And really understanding more about diseases, it will increase our chances of success in clinical trials. And the other part that metabolites are very important 
uh, metabolites you could find them in easy to measure in biofluids, including urine, blood, or even like feces that you could measure metabolites. And this whole combination of how a disease process could impact blood metabolites, for example, or urine metabolites, it could further help us to find the right patient to target. And then also further how we could monitor a drug response. So when we have a therapeutic intervention, we could now see this impact in blood metabolites to know if it's actually have an effect, uh, impact to the disease progress or not. So uh, I, as if I'm interpreting that correctly, it sounds like there's opportunities here for biomarker development to, to identify mm -hmm. the right patients for certain treatments and then the ability to see whether a treatment is working before maybe any there's any improvement in, uh, in exactly. patient symptoms, but you'd be able to exactly. see. Exactly. Yeah, like I could give an example, for example, in non-alcoholic fatty liver diseases, uh, the only diagnostic that's approved right now by FDA is liver biopsy, which is very invasive. So lots of times, actually, when the patients go in clinical trials, they start with liver biopsy to diagnose them for the disease. Uh, and then they're given uh, therapeutic drugs, and there is no other uh, diagnostic in the between till the end that they do another liver biopsy. First of all, which is very invasive, right? And then during this whole process that they are taking the drug, they have no idea exactly what's happened and how the drug is actually impacting this patient. Um, particularly, this disease is very complex. The, those patients are suffering usually from diabetes, obesity, loss of metabolic syndrome, and even cardiovascular diseases. So really evaluating the progress of the, or the impact of the drug just through clinical symptoms could be very challenging. So lots of opportunity there. Can you tell me why we needed, or we, you think we need artificial intelligence specifically to address yeah. this problem? That's a very good question again as well. So as I mentioned, metabolism is very difficult to measure and characterize them. It's actually, uh, and one of the challenges that has been exist, so the, uh, the instruments that right now is used is mass spectrometry. Uh, and then after that, it's required lots of customized process to uh, characterize metabolites individually for each one of them. That's make it really technically impossible uh, to do that for 40,000 molecules, right? Um, and that's one of the things that AI could come and play a role because we could actually measure these molecules, their molecular mass through mass spectrometry. Uh, so mass spectrometry, how it works that we basically get the samples from patients, uh, like blood or tissues. Uh, we do metabolite extractions, and then we run them through mass spec machine. And mass spec give us the molecular mass of each one of those metabolites. But we cannot characterize them just based on the molecular mass, uh, because there could be like 10 metabolites with the same molecular mass. For example, I have this dummy example of 180 molecular mass, it could be the glucose, it could be fructose, or it could be galactose. They all have the same molecular mass, but they have different functions in human body. And that's what the bottleneck exists. Even though we measure them, we measure their molecular mass, we cannot characterize them. And the characterization right now that's done in the people or the current technologies are doing, they have to do more experiments. Um, and that's, that's a bottleneck, and we cannot do that for all the molecules. And that's where AI could come and play a role. Using artificial intelligence, by using a database and knowledge that they have about existing metabolites and the interactions, we could characterize those molecules by just measuring their masses. And it significantly improved uh, without like 
leveraging lots and lots of more data points about metabolites to really understand what's happening in these diseases. So can I just clarify there? So as I understand it, you've, you have a bunch of, um, of metabolites and they all weigh the same thing. And so it's hard to know which yeah. is which. And so you bring in yeah. AI and it's able to help you distinguish which is which. Does it do that by looking at other features apart from just weight in order to determine which is which? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what we do, we've done at uh, our company, so the technology we developed at MIT, so this is the work that we did at MIT, and then we uh, licensed it out to RevivedMed. Um, so exactly what, that's what we did. So we built a comprehensive database about metabolites and their interactions. So anything that has been known that how these molecules interact with other molecules. Uh, and based on the disease that we are studying, we, those molecules, uh, those interactions are important part. So when, for example, we have a mass that we don't know what it is, through the connection of that metabolism to other metabolites that are disregulated in the disease, we could characterize them. That what's the most likelihood metabolites to be corresponding to that mass. So you're able, you're able to make a prediction with a certain uh, level of probability about what, what it is that you're actually measuring when you take a sample, exactly. let's say. Exactly, yes. And we do that through the, our understanding and knowledge of biochemical pathways and interaction of proteins to metabolites and interaction of proteins to other proteins. Fascinating. And you mentioned earlier that, uh, and I've read as well, that there is not a, a lot of the metabolomic data available. So there's, there's two parts, as I yeah. understand, what you're doing, generating the data and then building the algorithms and building, training the models. Could you elaborate a little True. bit on those two, two parts of, of what you're working on? That's true, yeah. Unfortunately, like compared to genomic technologies, metabolomic data is not much available. Um, so that's something that we are hoping is improved in the future. Um, and by having a more and better databases, it's kind of like a whole like industry and academic field have to make more standards to have these data sets available for people to use. Um, and so one of the things that we are doing is basically we are doing our own data collections from patients. So we got collect, we collect, for example, for our fatty liver diseases, we're collecting data from blood and also liver biopsy of patients. So we do our running massive spectrometry as well. Uh, we are doing collaboration with pharmaceutical companies, and this is another way that they have access to some data from patients uh, to further having and improving our platform by having more data. Um, and uh, there are, um, again, that's one of the challenges that exists in the field. And it's one of the reasons that people have not used those data before. And that's what no one actually like, put them in a public resource that could leverage. Uh, these data sets, uh, as I mentioned, you could measure those masses of metabolites and no one is using them. And people only reporting, like the public resources only reporting those 500, 700 metabolites that are characterizing. And the majority of the rest of the data is really not available in the public domain. Uh, which is a, a pity because those data sets could be really valuable. Um, so hopefully in the future, that part is improving. Um, and one of the other things that we are basically improving our uh, company, so there are, um, by leveraging lots of those data, we could improve our background uh, database. So uh, we are making our database more specific for different tissues, for biofluids. For example, we have a particular database just from blood metabolites because not all the metabolites can be secreted to blood. Uh, so we've particularly developed uh, maybe the database that's only specific for uh, blood. And then we could leverage that database when we are doing our characterization of metabolites. Um, so, yeah. No, go, go on, I'll, I'll Sorry, make it. Um, 
yeah, I was just going to say that having more and more data, but this will help us better and better to do this calculations. Yeah, and I think one of the other things, the advantages it gives you from a business perspective is a, a significant proprietary asset, both with the data and the model. I see a number of machine learning companies that try to build a business on the back of public data uh, from PubMed or other mm-hmm. public sources. And that's that there's a, if, another, if a number of, of companies can do that, it's not that defensible, but you here sure. are have a defensible data and, and the defensible model too. So what are some of the yeah. things that you've been able to accomplish so far that you can talk about? You mentioned some partnerships and I'm sure you've seen some successful applications of your technology. Sure. Can you talk about one or two of those? Um, so the things I could mostly talk about is the work that we did at MIT and we published it. <laughs> Uh, so the technology we developed during my PhD at MIT, uh, we published our finding in Nature Methods. Uh, when we applied our technology, um, we used that uh, for studying Huntington disease, which is a genetic neurodegenerative disorder, and it has no treatment right now. Uh, by leveraging, um, being able to characterize metabolites in a larger scale, we were able to really discover novel insight and new disease pathways and processes for Huntington disease you are able to find novel therapeutic targets for Huntington disease. You are able to identify existing compounds with new therapeutic effects for Huntington disease. Um, and during our work at MIT, we experimentally validated this finding. As I mentioned, uh, we characterized a metabolite using our AI platform, but then we went to the lab and actually did experiments and showed that we actually predict them correctly if, uh, as the same as you do experiments. Uh, and then again, the disease pathways that we find, we went to the lab and we had mouse studied mouse models that we actually validate those uh, mechanisms in the disease progress. And we validate our target. We use those existing drugs and actually treat our disease model with those compounds and we show the therapeutic benefits in the disease. Um, so this was the work that we did at MIT and we published it in a couple of papers as available publicly. Uh, Afterward, that we spin out to company, we are very excited just to leverage AI and metabolomics to really discover therapeutics uh, and bring drugs for patients. And at the company, we are focused on metabolic diseases because um, one of the reasons is that there is significant needs for patients. Uh, as I mentioned, these diseases are mostly caused by obesity, diabetes, and healthy lifestyle. And these are some of the things that are really growing, unfortunately. So the rate of obesity and diabetes is growing, and that has a significant impact in the number of metabolic diseases that we observe. So there is significant needs for patients, and also importantly, in metabolic diseases, metabolites play a key role. So the disease is all caused by their altered level uh, in a disease. And uh, so by leveraging tens of thousands of metabolomic data points that no one looked before, we are really bringing new insight about these diseases and developing new interventions. It sounds like there's a, a tremendous amount of opportunity for you. And I'm sure one of your challenges is going to be focusing on very specific sure. opportunities. But what are some of the other challenges uh, you think are, are ahead for you as you, as you grow? Uh, so one of the challenges that exist uh, right now, as I mentioned, these data sets are not available. So we, lots of time we have to collect our own proprietary data, right? Um, having access to patient samples is challenging. Um, for example, right now we, we, like, we need to collect data from liver biopsies. So those are very hard to have access to. Um, so it's one of the challenges you're facing to have access to more patient samples. 
Uh, but right now we are collaborating with hospitals and we are in discussion with several physicians in hepatology field. Um, we are hoping to have more access to those patient data and patient samples. Um, and so uh, by doing more collaboration, that could also help us to overcome those challenges as well. Uh, because for example, we, we are working with lots of pharmaceutical companies and they have blood from patients in clinical trials. Um, and just looking, uh, I'm not just saying it really a small example, it's not anything crazy AI either. Just having access to like, for example, healthy patients, blood metabolites, right? We could estimate a variance of a molecule in the population. Uh, and having like, for example, 1,000 patients, just healthy controls, we could see now if you have a disease, we could compare it to those old healthy patients and see if actually that molecule significantly altered or not altered. So those, those are the things why collaboration could help us to overcome some of the challenges that uh, difficulties of having access to patient samples. Hmm. It strikes me that there's an opportunity for a company like 23andMe, what they did with genomics or like yeah. Ubiome with, uh, with the uh, microbiome. There could be an opportunity here for a metabolomics company that gathers people's yeah. data and helps not trying to start a new business with you, but <laughs> something to think about. Yeah, the, no, definitely. It's something in the future for us. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Leila, I know we have a limited amount of time and I, and I really appreciate that you took the time to talk to me today. Is there anything I didn't mention? And, and I will have an opportunity for you to tell listeners where they can find more information, but is there anything else yeah. that I didn't ask you that you think people should know about? Um. No, you, you hit all the good, great questions. Thank you so much. Uh, just want to mention that we're just very excited. So the way, the reason that we started RevivMed was just really, we saw that the opportunity that exists here. We saw that we could develop these technologies in academic world. And what our goal that starting the company was just really bringing that technology to the market to help people and bring therapeutic for patients. So we are just very excited like to translate the data, this metabolomic data for the ter to develop right therapeutics for the right patients. And really one of the things that our vision for the company is just save people's lives with every line of code that we write here at the company. Uh, and these are some of the things that excite us and move us forward, uh, move us more forward in the space. And it comes across every time I see you speak or, or hear you speak, uh, your enthusiasm and passion is infectious. Thank so you so much. It's, it's a very meaningful uh, company and a huge opportunity. Where can people Thank learn you. more about you and RevivMed? Uh, so definitely they could follow us up on social media. We, and we have a website, uh, uh, www.revive-med.com. That we usually post our news uh, there. Definitely social media, LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, we always post more and um, post more there too, so they could follow us up. But we are just want to actually thank you so much for having us because I think it's very important to bring metabolomics more to uh, make more awareness about metabolomics and the impacts that has in people's lives. Because we all hear all this thing in the health and diet, and I think that's some of the things that being more mindful about it uh, and people know more about it. I think it's improved that space more. Well, I'll do my best to promote this podcast. Thank so that you. Everybody knows about it. Thanks for joining me today, Leila. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm really, I was really honored to be part of this and this is very exciting. Thank you so much for having me.
You just listened to my conversation with Leila Pirhaji of RevivMed. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you want to catch future episodes, be sure to subscribe. Just look for Artificial Intelligence and Drug Discovery in your favorite podcast player. Then hit the subscribe button. Until our next episode, be well and work smart.